what's going on everybody my name is reagan and my name is victor and welcome to sanctified ish conversations with pastors who have not figured it out we have spent probably the last 45 minutes <laughs> coming up with that intro <laughs> nothing changed the, the wording didn't change nothing nothing, nothing changed nothing changed it was it's just, just late placement. It's of just said it's, intro. <laughs> it's just late. It's also like nine forty-five. It is, and the fact that I view it as late, like re- real talk. I called my mom um, on a Friday night, and it was eight fifteen, and I was in bed, and the lights were out. Wow. And I called her, and I was expecting her to be excited, and she was like, "Hey, Reagan, we need to talk about your social life." And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Wow!" <laughs> like eight eight fifteen on a Friday. I'm like, "Mom, I'm I'm good. I'm happy. I'm content. I'm well, I'm doing great." Mine, mine isn't much different because it's not like I'm out like with friends on a Friday night. I'm still up. I'm up very <laughs> late on Friday nights. I'm just playing video games. <laughs> you made that seem so much more depressing than it should have been. He's like, it's not like I'm out with friends. I'm actually. <laughs> I have a really. I love playing video games. Okay. <laughs> you play it with friends though. Like you play I do. that that, I do. that <laughs> is going out with friends. Hold up, like, like we didn't even get into this. That is going out with people it is. in 2022. Nobody goes out anymore. That's not a thing. That's like you go out by turning on the Wi-Fi, logging into your PS5 or your PC, whatever it is, and then going and playing, I don't know, RuneScape. I I don't know what, what you play. I love RuneScape. Did you I, know that? Well, <laughs> The fact that that's the first thing that comes off the top of my head is indication that you talk about it way too much. Victor just loves RuneScape. Yeah, I remember. So RuneScape came out a long time ago. I was in second grade when it came out. And my mom worked at a Christian school. And I attended said Christian school. And so after school, she would have to do like her teacher stuff. And so I would go sit in her classroom. And I remember I'd play like cool math games, you know, on her computer. I would play like the VeggieTales, Larry Boy, you know, Adventures 2 on her like computer. And I remember when RuneScape came out because my friend started playing it. And I was like, Mom, you have to let me play RuneScape. And she logged onto the website. And the first picture on their website is a picture of, like, this wizard with, like, a wizard hat and a staff. And <laughs> she she grounded me from the computer for two weeks. <laughs> she was, None of this witchcraft in this household. <laughs> did you grow up in a non-Harry Potter household? Yeah, I did. I did. It's it's fascinating to me to find out like what Christians grew up in a non Harry Potter because you also have like the non Harry Potter household and you have the non Wizards of Waverly Place household yes. and those are two different households. Very. That's like the JV. That's like the JV and the varsity. Yep. Um, yeah. What kind it's of household wild. did you grow up in? Were you allowed to watch Harry Potter? Um. Yes, but I chose not to. Oh, you were cool. I just like I. I still have not seen Harry Potter. I haven't read the books. Wait, like, what? You haven't I think like, I watched, seen the movies. No, no, no. I watched 20 minutes of them on TNT one time. And I was like, this is boring. Half of that was commercials. Yeah. Half, <laughs> half of it was commercials. No, like, I, I, like Star, I like Star Wars way better than Harry Potter. Well, okay, let me ask and, you this. Let me ask you this. This is perfect. Do, do you regret not having watched the Harry Potter movies? Absolutely like if you could not. go back. No. Absolutely not. No. Wow. No. I agree. Because, like, I like dude, Star Wars more. There's too many movies. There's too many books. Like, this is how I feel about Marvel at this point. I'm like, you can't start. 
it's three years of your life to get caught up and it's just it's too that's fair it's too much it's too much So you don't regret it you don't regret it. not at all you wouldn't go back and change anything wow hashtag no regrets (laughs) you've seen that tattoo (laughs) hashtag no regrets that was prime 2015 internet (laughs) oh man back when vine was a thing yeah man yeah well speaking of regrets today and this is this is something that i think man, we don't talk about this enough in Christian circles. And the the line gets so blurred between repentance and regret. And I don't know, I would actually suggest maybe going back and listening to our Christian language podcast because we talk a lot about like words that are used so much to the point where they, at least in the church, lose their definition. And I think repentance may be one of those words. Like, I think that word has made itself so present in our vernacular that we don't tangibly know what it looks like to repent anymore. Well, I I think that's like, I think that's a phenomenal point because I think there's a discipleship problem in the church where it's like you just said, we know the sticky phrases, but we don't know the theology. We don't know the verses. Like, we don't know how that actually goes out into our lives. And so I think that's actually a really good way to start this. Like, what does repentance even mean? Like when someone says, man, you need to repent. What does that actually mean? Yeah, it's uh, confession and repentance often get lumped together. And confession is not repentance. And repentance is not, uh, repentance includes confession, but it's not all that there is. So confession is the kind of like the admission of fault, right? It is the, I have messed up. I did something I was not supposed to. And in light of like the Christian circles, it is that I am incapable of achieving the perfection that God demands of people that want to be in his presence. So confession is the admission of guilt, but repentance is the next step of that. We we yeah. have a fork in the road when we get to confession. We can go to regret or we can go to repentance. And repentance is taking that confession, taking that wrongdoing, and turning 180 degrees and walking yeah. towards Christ. So it is the act of actively pursuing holiness after fault. Yeah. Regret is kind of like just this pity party that we throw for our, for ourselves. And because we have the emotion stimulus, we feel like we've repented because we feel bad. But repentance is more of an active pursuit rather than this passive thing we experience. Yeah, and here's here's where I think we, we wanted to talk about this today is because I think a lot of us, and I think there's like even times in my life where it's like I'm actively living with regrets and I would say like shame is the ugly cousin of regret. Yeah. And they're, they're very, very similar. Um, and so like the Bible doesn't call us to simply feel sorry about our sins or to feel like our sins are this big weight that kind of hangs over us, this dark cloud that's supposed to loom over the rest of our lives. The Bible calls us to not just confess our sins, but to repent. And the way that I've explained like repentance to our students is like, it is a complete change in action that begins with a complete change in heart. Yeah. So like, not only do you just enough, not only do you feel bad about your sin, but that leads you to no longer walk in that sin. And I think what, what I've seen in my life and what breaks my heart for a lot of people is that we walk around choosing to live in regret when God has called you to walk in freedom. Yeah. And freedom is the fruit of repentance that like repentance sucks. It's not easy. 
Yeah. It's difficult. It's actually probably harder in the short term than regret is. But the, the, the backside of repentance is joy and freedom and the weightlessness that I think a lot of us crave. Um, like, I, I don't know if you like feel this way, but like, I feel like there was a weightlessness yeah. when I was in like middle school and like high school. And it's like, everything was fine and everything was great. And I'm like, now I've got some miles on my tires. I'm like, there are things that I regret. Yeah. And yeah. like, there are things that like, I do genuinely feel bad about that. I wish I could take back. And, um, man, like there's, there's grace at the foot of the cross and there's freedom on the yeah. other end of repentance. I remember in middle school, I had this just, I don't know what it was. The Lord was just sanctifying me in some really weird ways. And I was just going through this really heavy, like doubt of salvation period. And as I was coming out of that, I remember like when I sinned, I felt an immeasurable amount of guilt when I sinned. And to the point to where I was like, this probably is not right. But I remember the specific moment when I had, I was working on the Spanish project and I called my mom into the room and I was like, mom, look at the Spanish project. I just spent hours working on the Spanish project. And I remember her looking at it and she's like, did you even try? This is the worst piece of garbage I've ever seen. Start over. And she just starts like reaming my Spanish project. She turns around and walks out of the room and I like under my breath, cuss her out. Okay. And I remember she didn't hear me. She left the room she would. She never knew that I did that, and mm-hmm. for the next twenty four hours, this weight, just this like I couldn't. I couldn't stop thinking about it. It was consuming me. Yeah. And so eventually, the next day, when my mom was dropping me off at school, I told her, "I was like, hey, mom, you you hurt my feelings when you said this, and I cussed you out." And the moment I confessed, and I told her that I didn't want to do that again instantaneous freedom. Yeah. Literal like weightlessness to the exact thing yeah. that you were talking about. Because this thing that I that I was holding inside like I was keeping it within me. No one else knew about it. I did it. I knew it was wrong. And I could have just lived like I could have gone on and I probably yeah. would have eventually forgotten about it. But yeah. it was to the point to where the Lord was just convicting me so heavily that there was nothing else I could do but to confess. And the moment I did that freedom well and that's not the way it's supposed to be like we're not supposed to walk around with that weight and that that distance between us and our parents or our distance between us and god and like that's why the bible says like um if we confess our sins to one another he's faithful and just to forgive us of all sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and the lie that the devil has said since day one is like did god really say that yeah that is like, do you really think you can be clean? Like my biggest, like one of the biggest verses in the Bible, David, Psalm 51, he commits adultery and murder. And he says, make me whiter than snow. And I'm like, you really think you can be made whiter than snow? Yeah. You of all people. Um, but that's, that's the lie that the devil will say. Like he can't actually do it. You can't be made whiter than snow. He can't forgive you of all of your unrighteousness. Maybe some of it. Yeah. Maybe some of it. But that one thing that no one else knows about, he can't actually clean that. But that's the thing is like what God says is true. Like he, the Holy spirit cannot contradict himself. And so if the Holy spirit is the author of scripture and the Holy spirit, his kindness is the one that's going to lead us to repentance. He cannot lie about the word that he has already spoken. Yeah. And so 
that's like honestly when it comes down to like regret and repentance it's like what are we going to believe yeah. are we going to believe the lie of the enemy that that ultimate sin whatever it is cannot be clean cannot be forgiven or are we going to believe what god has already said to say hey you can you can come to me and you can bring that and the hard part is that doesn't just wash away consequences yeah. for sins there are consequences for sin but honestly, I feel like 99% of the time, like it's the consequences that we put on ourselves. 100%. Like, I feel like the consequence is we choose to, we choose to live in regret. <laughs> yeah. And that, that is sometimes worse than what the consequence would have been in the first place. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. And I think, I think for a lot of people, the reason why it's so difficult to understand repentance and grace is because of just bad experiences that they've had in life. So like yeah. when I was when I was tr- going to tell my mom that I had cussed her out, I was expecting to get grounded. I mean, I pulled up a website with a wizard on it, and like it got grounded for two weeks. Okay, how dare you? So yeah, I was expecting I was expecting my world to come falling down. Yeah, but instead, my mom was like, "Hey, thank you for telling me. Let's let's not do that again. We're gonna yeah. help you manage your anger." And we're going to move forward. And that was a picture of the gospel. But here's the thing. 100%. Not everyone's experience is like that. And yeah. maybe a life experience has caused you to believe that grace and repentance are so intangible. They're un- you can't attain them. You can't get them because everything in life has just been the opposite of that. And so to experience that for the first time, to experience the freedom, that's why it feels so unattainable. Yeah. And I mean, we talk about this all the time, but like Paul was a mass murderer of people. And if God well, chose to save him and use him to write 80% of the New Testament, then who are we to assume that he's not capable of doing the same thing in us? Yeah. And we also know like the apostles didn't trust him. Yeah. Like right off the bat, it wasn't like, oh, great. God saved you. Welcome. They were like, they were super hesitant of him. And the Lord also like stuck him in the wilderness yeah, for like 13, 14 years, something like that. Um, and the Lord sanctified him and worked on him like long before he ever started his ministry, like quote unquote. Yeah. Um, and so like there, there is like a radical, radical change. Like God can change and God can save anybody. Um, well, and that's a perfect picture. Right. Paul dealt with some of the consequences that yeah. his sins brought on. Right. He had to deal with the distrust yeah. and doubts that the other disciples and apostles had of him. Of yeah. course, they would naturally be opposed to having Paul join their tight, um, not, who, not just a tight group wouldn't? of people. But who it's like, wouldn't? Uh, it was just, it's just natural. Like that's a natural consequence of yeah. Paul's behavior. But he saw reconciliation there. And God also chose to use him in masterful and beautiful ways. I I think you brought up a really interesting point, though, because especially from like a student ministry perspective, like the answer for me 99% of the time is go tell your parents. Like that's always and like some of the times like the answers I get in return are like, man, I'm actually terrified to tell my parents. And some of it's like valid. Yeah. Um, And so it's like you even mentioned where it's like, okay, like there isn't all sometimes there isn't a a 100% perfect response back. Um, and that's why it's like, okay, maybe you've had an experience where it's like an authority figure in your life. Like maybe it was someone in a church and like you confess something and they just like, they hammered you. Yeah. Um, 
they're not God. Yeah. They're not Jesus. And that doesn't excuse that by any means. Like that's not the appropriate response, but it's like our ultimate, that's why like we're not the Catholic church. We don't have confession to one another as the ultimate authority. Like we confess to God yeah. and like his character and his standard and his goodness and his beauty will not change. Like that's why like my favorite book of the Bible is Hosea hands down because like the whole story of that is how God responds to unfaithful people and it's like Hosea 11, the whole narrative of the book ends by saying like, how can I give you up for my compassion yeah. grows warm and tender towards you? And it's like, I've had to ask myself that question so many times over the years. It's like, is that how I think God responds to me when I sin? Yeah. Not just like when I cuss out my parents, but like the thing that I have not even told my parents. Yeah. Like that thing, God knows that intimately and deeply about every single one of us. We all have that one thing and how he responds to me. And that will determine if I go to him seeking repentance or not and seeking yeah. grace or not. And I think a lot of us just don't know the character of God. And I think the church has done a really bad job at preaching the character of God. Like yeah, how many people do we know that have had, bad church experiences oh where gosh. church leaders have brought down the hammer of judgment yeah, rather than inviting people into like God's goodness and grace. And it's like, man, how can I blame someone for having yeah. tried to get plugged into a church, having tried to grow closer to God, having tried to be vulnerable and bring their sins like forward and repent and like really tried yeah. And the church is the one that brings down the hammer of judgment. And it's like now this person has had their trust in like God yeah. rattled because of the misuse and, and the really like the spiritual abuse of the church. It's like yeah. that's a hard thing to reconcile. Well, and I think the church swings so far on honestly, probably the, the truth and justice side instead of the grace side, because it's like, well, we don't want to just be like all lovey dovey and like right. there's consequences for sin. And like, I think that's like our natural default state. But I think like you look at the cross and you see grace 100% personified, but you also see the consequence of sin. And like yeah. when we're talking about like, there's grace at the foot of the cross and there's a place to repent, like bring your sins. What you are bringing them to is a place where you can see 100% like the wages of sin is death, death, but it was not your death to die. Yeah. And the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That is the posture when someone comes to us seeking repentance and seeking grace. Like, have we been transformed by the cross enough to like exude the compassion yeah, um, and the nature of the consequences of sin that the cross so easily puts before us. Yeah. And I think, man, kind of rounding the corner here as we, as we, I think, I think this would be super helpful to, to talk a little bit of application here because I think Satan, Satan obviously doesn't want us to repent of anything. He wants us to live in regret. Yeah. And Satan is sneaky and he is strategic, and he's plotting. And I think Satan has tricked a lot of people into firmly believing that their regret 
is a fo- is repentance. So these pe- so so these people are now trapped in this in the cycle of shame and guilt over the thing that yeah. God has released them from. Yeah. So like what do we do with that? Like because I feel like I fall into that cycle so often. All all the time. All yeah. the time. It's it's just like it's I think honestly step one is just talking about it. It's like it's it's real. And I think more Christians we sing about the gospel every Sunday. We believe the gospel. We've been baptized. But our lives do not reflect that we know the gospel. Yeah. Because like there is grace and there is freedom. And it's the same thing with like Israel wandering in the wilderness. Like they're with God. He's there with them. He's providing manna for them every single day. But yet they long to go back to slavery in Egypt. And I think in the same way, a lot of us is like, we choose, we don't have to live in regret anymore. We choose to live in regret and live in shame and live in guilt instead of walking in the freedom that God has paid for us. doesn't mean we're not saved. It doesn't mean we don't have a relationship with him. It actually means it's like, we're not living to the, the, what he intended for us was to walk in intimacy with him and fullness of joy here and now. And there's just a lot of Christians that are not experiencing the full power of the gospel here. And now we experience salvation, but we have not experienced freedom. The sermon illustration that I heard a a while back was something along the lines of if you're a prisoner in jail and you're sitting behind bars and you're in your jail cell and, you know, the officer walks up to the door, he unlatches the door to the jail cell, he opens the door and he says, Victor, you are free to go. Your citizenship to your country has been, you know, like you're, you are full to go out and, and exist in the world as you, as you, however you want. And I hear that and I see it and I understand it. And instead of getting up and walking through the door to experience the freedom that I've been given, I sit in the jail cell and I stare at the open door. And I think that's what we do with, with our sin. Yeah. We have been given like the credit of Christ, like his righteousness, his freedom, his grace has been, has been bestowed upon us because of his death. Yeah. And we see that and we know it and we believe it and we look at it and we just sit. And that's what Satan wants to do. But here's the thing, man. I think like I can... This is probably where a lot of people are at. I know that. Yeah. I know that. And I know that about myself. But I I still struggle with that literally on a day-to-day basis as a lot of people do. It's just like, I think it's it's hard to get from point A to point B to that where it's like, I know this intellectually what the gospel does. I also know the lie that I'm believing. Why do I keep choosing to believe that lie? And I, I think that's that that is the gap that I think yeah. a lot of people are struggling with. Well, and I think I think there's like an isolation aspect to this too. Satan wants us to believe that in isolation. Like Satan doesn't yeah. want us to know that other people in our community deal with the same thing. Because if if other people in our community deal with the same thing, now we have a support structure. And now now yeah. accountability starts to happen. Now, like, the church begins to operate the way the church was, like, initially meant to operate, right? Yeah. And and 
y'all, there's a book by C.S. Lewis, Screw Tape Letters. You should totally go read it. It's amazing. But it just talks about how Satan, his strategy is to isolate. And yeah. I think when we just begin talking about these struggles that we have in community and realize actually everyone else in my life literally deals with the exact same thing. Yeah. Now we can begin to take steps forward as a group towards Christ. And I think that changes the game. Well, and even you want to talk about community for a second. I'm like, this is where like, honestly, reading your Bible is changing. We are way too individualistic in the Western, Western world Yeah, where it's like, we think that my Bible and my quiet time is just for me. Like you never know if what you're reading is not for you, but for somebody else. And that's why memorizing scripture is so important because the same spirit that lives in me lives in you. And like, when you come to me bringing something like, Hey, this is where I'm struggling. And I like the spirit wants to use his own words. Yep. He wants to use scripture to minister to other people. And like in that moment, like, yes, I can give you my shared experiences. I can be down in the bunker with you and say, hey, man, this sucks. And like there's value in that. There is because it's nice to know that I'm not alone. But the fact that I know that I'm not alone doesn't save me. That just gives me company and suffering. And I think like, if I'm going to be real for a second, there's so much accountability that is just company and suffering without true freedom. Yep. It's company and suffering with no true freedom. True freedom comes when you speak the word of God over the people of God who need it. And so, man, that's where it's like, anytime, like I've started doing this, but like anytime we have any sort of like counseling or pastoral care moment, I'm like, the Bible's open. Yeah. The Bible is open. And I'm like, chapter and verse, bro. And I'm like, yes, the Lord can give you a word. Yes, the Lord can speak. Yes, he's going to use my mouth to do it. But he's ultimately going to use his words. And the spirit is not of a dual mind. Using the Bible doesn't devalue the role of the spirit in pastoral care. It doesn't. Because the spirit's going to speak through you. And the spirit also wrote the Bible. And he's not going to contradict himself. And so also the words and the care that you speak, this is where the church has gotten in trouble. When we're talking about like authority figures that like speak wrong words over people. It's like when your words don't match up with the written word of the spirit in the Bible, the Bible has not changed. That means you're not acting out of the spirit. You're speaking out of your own power and your own words. Yeah. And that that's where we get into a lot of danger with stuff like this, man. And this is, I mean, this is probably a whole, this is probably a whole nother podcast episode. But this is where, like, the weight of stepping into vocational full-time ministry is, like, serious, right? Because now the minister has the the responsibility to—every Christian does, but especially here, like, to hide away God's Word in his heart. And if we step into these pastoral moments with people who are suffering and hurting and need to hear not your words but God's words— yeah. If that word is not hidden away, if that Bible is not open, then the words that we have the power to speak can be just as harmful yeah. as they can be to lead someone well, or point someone towards Christ. And to even take this out of ministry in a pastor's mind for one second, Hosea says our love for God is like the morning dew. It's here one minute and it's gone the next. And I think when we're talking about someone living in regret— when you're the person that says like, I know the lie. I know that I'm believing a lie. 
And I don't know, I, I can't get from point A to point B after that. Yeah. That's where scripture comes into play. Yeah. Because you remember, you bring to mind the truth of what is true about you. So like, you know what? You can't control when you're attacked. You can't control when you're tempted. You can't control when the thought comes and the lie is spoken over you. You can control your response and you yep. can control the, the seeds of life that you sow into your heart. Um, so that when that lie is coming, you can be like, nope, you know what? No, there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. Yeah. Romans 5, if he died for me as a sinner, at my very worst, God gave me Jesus, man, there's nothing else. They, there's nothing else that he's withholding from me. Yeah. And that hiding that word in your heart, it seems simple, but that's the daily weapon that you have to get out of this habit of living in regret and shame and guilt. I think if anything, this episode hopefully serves as a, maybe just like a timely reminder that if you're struggling with this, you are by no means alone. Yeah. And listening to this podcast, hopefully it's encouraging and comforting, but I think, I think the step to take isn't just to listen to a podcast and to feel better i think like the step is to like band together with people and not just walk together through hard times to walk together through hard times but to walk together through hard times as you look to jesus as the source of freedom and grace and so you're not alone and i think just that simple reminder can be so monumentally encouraging at least i know in some really hard times in my life it was um yeah so well i hope you guys enjoyed today's episode if you want to just talk with us a little bit more about this email us let us know sanctifiedish at gmail.com we would love to have a conversation with you um and if you have any questions or concerns we would also love to interact with you on there um and we also are like send in your questions because we we do we want to do more sanctified shorts and you sending us your questions helps us do that. You can also check us out on social media at Reagan Jones ninety seven and at Rots of one five seven and we will catch you guys next week. Until then, take care and God bless. We should stop recording at ten fifteen at night. I already regret half the things I've said. Regret. Regret. <laughs>